What you are about to hear are accounts of real pro wrestling events. Some names, mostly ours, have been changed to protect the innocent. Welcome to Snap Judgments. I can give AEW a ton of credit on this because they um, they haven't let go any staffers, as far as I've heard, and haven't let go a single wrestler during this. Um, the same can be said for Impact Wrestling, uh, for Ring of Honor, and as far as I know, for New Japan Pro. Those major promotions all have managed to find ways to continue to pay people through this and not have to put a bunch of people out on the floor. You know, to go off on a little bit of a rant here, but reports have come out that Ring of Honor was even sending checks to non-contracted workers, people who they, you know, invited to partake in one of their upcoming shows that got canceled. You know, a wrestler who isn't under contract with Ring of Honor, but was supposed to wrestle at their show April 13th or whenever it was. Uh, receives a check in the mail as if they wrestled at the show, even though the show never went on. Impact Wrestling has uh, come out, been paying the event locations for some of the events that they were set to do. Even though the event didn't take place, they still paid the person the rental fees for that place. And, and that's to be commended. And then New Japan, we talked about it on the thing. New Japan went up in, in front of their government and begged for, for um, considerations in, in all of the help that the government is doing. But also, you know, said, listen, um, wrestling should be the last thing that comes back to live events. That we understand in this situation that, that our people are going to train and all of that stuff by themselves. But when we come back, we want wrestling to be the one that signals that everything's back to normal. Um, and then on the other side, you have WWE that, that cuts loose uh, about two dozen talent, um, as in wrestlers and uh, producers backstage and all of that stuff. And by all reports, maybe even has cut up to 100 to, to more in terms of total staff during the middle of this. And that just makes me frustrated. So, But um, on that, we'll just bring this to a close. Five and a half citations out of 10 for AEW Dark and Dynamite this week. Um, they're probably going to lose the ratings. In fact, if I'm correct, I've already seen, and I think they did lose the ratings to, to NXT. And to be perfectly honest, from what I've heard, they deserve to. So... Uh, hopefully they can get things together and and come back within the next couple weeks with some really good stuff. So, but continue listening to Raw and Order. Uh, we got the SmackDown review going to be coming up, and then we're going to be doing our wrestling booking unit over the weekend, and then more reviews next week. So, thanks for listening. We will see you soon. Welcome to Snap Judgments AEW Edition. I am your host, Detective Mark Smarks. And uh, I want to start off this week by apologizing if the sound quality isn't up to snuff. I'm recording this on my phone for my job because of reasons. Um, I also apologize for it being a little bit late, but frankly, Wednesday night after uh, the mass WWE firings and all of that stuff, I really didn't feel in the mood to record 
another podcast after the wrestle rant that we put out that night and it just has taken me a little bit of time to uh get the free time to do this so i'm going to be covering both AEW dark and AEW dynamite um AEW dark was pretty short to be perfectly honest so it's not going to take too much time um but before we get into it, I would like to remind everyone that uh, Raw and Order is part of the Tatnus Co. podcast network. So if you uh, like what you're hearing here, head over to tatnusco.com, check out the other shows on the network, uh, and tell them we sent you. Uh, without any ado, though, we will get into AW Dark. Like I say, it was really short. There was actually only one match uh, tonight. It was Sean Spears versus Billy Gunn, and of course Austin Gunn was at the side um, lines as well. Um, I kind of actually, as much as I want to hate the idea of the, this older wrestler taking a spot, um, you know, I mean, he's obviously retired, he works backstage and all that stuff, but he's still in really good shape, so, um, and I really do get, get a kick out of the gun club, uh, as a stable, you know, the father and son, they look so much alike, um, so it's kind of fun, and, and to be perfectly honest, Austin Gunn brought a lot to the table on this match, um, he, he would constantly, you know, throw jibes at Sean Spears and, and uh, do a lot of reactions on the outside. It was really, really good. But um, in the end, uh, though, it was um, Sean Spears getting the victory. Um, kind of, I think this is the start of the rebuild of Sean Spears. You know, he lost to Cody last week in the first match of the AEW TNT title tournament. Uh, and I think this is kind of the start of building him back up um, and letting people think that he's something to, to contend with. So, But that was really the only match. It was, a, it was a decent match, all in all. It wasn't like anything super special, but it also wasn't bad by any means. I mean, these are both really good wrestlers. Uh, you know, Billy Gunn was huge back in the day, and he's still good. And Sean Spears is very, very, very good. So it was a good match all in all. Of course, afterwards, they hyped uh, the second match of the TNT tournament, which will be Lance Archer versus Colt Cabana. That'll come up on Dynamite. Uh, they talked a lot about that. Uh, they talked about Sammy Guevara is going to be in, in action, so on and so forth. Uh, but we'll just go ahead and go to AEW Dynamite. Because like I say, Dark was really short. It was, I mean, I understand it being short. This is all pre-recorded stuff and... You know, when you don't have a chance to go record extra stuff to pad the time, you have to deal with what you're done with, right? So, moving to AEW Dynamite, right? Um, you know, the main event tonight was going to be the uh, street fight, empty arena street fight between Jake Hager and John Moxley. Um, that was going to be the main event, and they talked about it all night. They even said, you know, they're bringing back uh, Jim Ross to do the commentary on it. Um, of course, since these are all pre-recorded, that was pretty easy to do because all you had to do was send him the footage and have him commentate over it. So, But we started off uh, with the quarterfinal match, the uh, Lance Archer versus Colt Cabana that I just mentioned before. Um, it, was a, it was a good match. I mean, it showed off a lot of both sides. Uh, Colt Cabana was able to get uh, some offense in, but in the end, this was really designed to... Uh, put Lance Archer over as this monster huge guy. And, and to be perfectly honest, I think it did a pretty decent job because Colt Cabana's not a tiny guy. He's a big, beefy man. Um, and Lance Archer towered over him and was able to hit him with the, I can't even remember what he calls the move, 
Uh, but it's like the razor's edge where he flips him over onto his face. Anyways, um, it's actually a really cool move. So I think they're doing a good job of building Lance Archer up as a monster. And that that's a good thing there. Uh, moving on, we had Cassandra Golden uh, in her second AEW match versus Britt Baker. Britt Baker returning after last week, uh, bleeding all over the place in her match versus Hikaru Shida. Cassandra Golden wrestled once before on, I think it was an AEW Dark, and she's actually pretty decent. She's, I don't think she's officially signed as of yet, but, you know, to fill out that women's division, it, it definitely doesn't hurt to bring in some people like her. Um, but this was designed, this whole match was designed to be a Britt Baker return squash match, and that's really, really what it was. Um, in the end, uh, Britt Baker got the win, and uh, was able to talk some smack and move on. Um, moving on, we had Pineapple Pete himself, Shug D versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, Pineapple Pete, of course, was the nickname that Le Champion Chris Jericho gave him last week because uh, he is in the crowd and he was wearing a pineapple Hawaiian shirt. And um, I want to take a moment to give AEW a ton of credit, Pro Wrestling Tees a ton of credit, and Shug D a ton of credit, because as far as I know, he's not officially signed. He's just an independent wrestler that's helping out uh, AEW in the areas they're doing these filming. But they already have a Pineapple Pete t-shirt available, and I think that's that's really cool. So, um, But this was Shug D's first actual match. Uh, he, like I said, he was in the crowd, but he hadn't wrestled until here. Um, Sammy Guevara came out and, you know, it was, it was kind of a good back and forth match, but it wasn't really great. So, um, you know, Guevara kept trying to hit his modified go to sleep sort of a thing, uh, where he starts him off in, in an inverse torture rack and then flips him out to go to sleep. Um, and he kept trying to do it. And I mean, Shugdi's a lot bigger than Sammy Guevara, so it took a little bit for him to get up there. Uh, and in the end, though, once again, this was designed to set up Sammy Guevara uh, going into their match with Darby Allen. I think it's this coming week is when they're doing that. So, it was, I mean, it was an okay match, but it wasn't, like, spectacular in the end. Um, after the match, Guevara took the microphone and vowed to beat the shit out of Darby Allen um, in the tournament and then beat up on Shuddy a little bit more before Alan came and ran in and chased him off. There's no actual fighting between the two, so they're saving that to next week, but I don't know. It at least helped build it up a bit, but it wasn't a great match by any means. Um, moving on, we had uh, Chucky e. T versus Kip Sabian. Of course, Penelope Ford was at ring time, ringside with uh, Kip Sabian. So, of course, Chucky e. T had to have Orange Cassidy at ringside for him because that equal, I guess. Um, but no, I mean, it, it was it was a decent back and forth. My biggest worry with this is um, Kip Sabian gets the win with some heel interference uh, from Jimmy Havoc. And that's not my problem. My problem is we now have Chuck E.T., uh, you know, losing almost all of his singles matches. And I'm a little worried that they're setting him up to be an enhancement talent, and he is definitely worth winning a lot more. Um, hopefully they have uh, at least the best friends as a tag team go on a run and win a whole bunch of matches. I know they won last week versus uh, uh, Nakazawa and Kenny Omega, but it would be nice to see them go on a, a big run for a bit. 
like I said, it was an okay match. I didn't mind the heel tactics uh, with Jimmy Havoc interfering and, and all of that stuff, but I, I just, I don't necessarily know if it was needed in the match. Really, I don't know if it was really needed there. I mean, I'm, I like Kip Sabian. I think he brings a lot to the table. And, you know, I'm trying to judge these from a standpoint of they had to pre-record these a week ago and and hope that they all came out and kept the storyline going well. So, I don't know. Anyways, so then we had Justin Law, a unknown, never heard of him, uh, assuming he's a local talent, uh, versus Sean Spears, right? So this is part two of the rebuild Sean Spears uh, tactic where you have him come out and just destroy a local talent. Um, and, you know, to be perfectly honest, this was one of the better matches of the night, in my opinion. Uh, you had Sean Spears look absolutely dominant. He hit the C4, which is his running Death Valley driver thing, and and got the victory. And I think it did about everything that that could have been expected to do. But now we come to the main event, and this is where my disappointment in this episode comes forward. This was the latest in a series of empty arena, falls count anywhere, I guess, matches. Um, You know, starting off with Edge versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Then you had um, Johnny Gargano versus Champa on NXT. And now you have this empty arena match for AEW. And... We gave the Edge versus Orton one okay rating, but said it was really long. We gave the Champa versus Gargano one pretty good ratings, but said it was pretty long. This one, I don't think we can give it very good ratings at all, and we still can say it was way too long. Um, and I think, I don't think this is uh, a knock on either of the talents. I mean, we know John Moxley is one of the best in the world. Uh, we know Jake Hager's one of the best in the world, you know. I mean, he wouldn't be on AEW if he wasn't talented. You can argue back and forth about whether he should be a main eventer, and that's uh, for another thing altogether. But in the end, these people can put on good matches, but I just think this sort of match between these two needed a crowd because, frankly, I got bored. I got bored throughout the entire match, and... You know, I, I found myself checking my phone a bunch and, and looking up things on Twitter or whatever. And maybe I was a little distracted because of the WWE events earlier in the day. But I just didn't find myself really drawn into this match. I mean, it was physical and there were a whole lot of stuff and, and everything. But Moxley delivered the paradigm shift at the end on a steel chair uh, in the ring to win. Uh, which, you know, maybe kind of kind of played into part of why this was confusing is unlike the other ones they didn't really 100% state the rules of this one it was an empty arena match but then at some point they started to imply that the the beginning and, and end has to happen in the ring but they never stated it did like it was just commentary Jim Ross saying well you think this would have to end in the ring right we we need some rules laid out for a match like this um and I think that's kind of where it came down to. Uh, this this should have felt like a main event, a pay-per-view level main event, and it didn't. It fell flat on that. And it was actually, in my opinion, fairly boring, and it brought down the entire night. Um, so if I were going to... If I were going to give this a rating, like I've said before, 
you know, I'd love to give this a rating in a vacuum where I where I don't consider the events uh, going forward, you know, in its uh, case. And if I were to rate it entirely in a vacuum, I would probably put this a four out of ten citations. Um, understanding what they're going through as a company, I'm going to put it up there to five and a half citations. I, I understand what they're doing and I get it and I want to give them credit for what they're doing. But at the same point, this was a match that it was too long. It didn't have any, like, codified rule set for us to follow. And it just didn't have the fire that an empty arena match or a Falls Count Anywhere match between these two should have had. And that's that's the problem. And, you know, maybe a lot of that could have been solved with a crowd there. And so this this would have been better as something saved for a double or nothing or whatever whatever you're going to finally be able to do actual pay-per-views with audience in the crowd um but in in this situation it just kind of fell flat and it it kind of brought me down so so the final rating five and a half citations out of ten it was slightly above average but mostly average all in all um yeah you know uh i mean the the upside is 